when I do meet people in real life that I've only been friends with online, it's very awkward. Really? You know, yeah, because it's a it's a whole different strategy talking to someone uh, via text message or email messenger whatever like it's a whole it's almost like a different language really it like different like humor style and then it's even weirder when people that know me from the podcast meet me because it's like they have this leg up where like they've been listening to me so they know me better than I know them so it's this weird it's this weird thing so you're in like, do you feel like you're in like open water then or something? Sort of. Well, I guess I feel like, like an expectation or like you kind of have to be on or like, yeah, I guess that's, it's like. I get that. Yeah. Cause it, it even goes so far as like, like how, like, I guess the pandemic really changed things too but I've just recently started being more social and it's like my looking at my phone habits have been so shitty because like I've been at home and I've been looking at my phone all the time. So I'll go out in public and I'm like looking at my phone and it's like, okay, you're actually around people right now. Like stop and talk to them. It's just weird. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. So, I know. So this is Caitlin. Is it Ewald? Ewald? Ewald. Ewald. Okay. That was going to be my first instinct, but I went with the exotic pronunciation. If, if you were saying it in German, it would be Ewald. Ewald. Yeah. Yeah. Eine kleine bisschen <laughs> Deutsch. Yeah. Uh, are you German? A little bit. Mm-hmm. That's. I'm like Irish and German and like a little bit of French but I feel like genetically I just took every single Irish gene yeah yeah the way yeah, that yeah. I look yeah like my brother and sister are really tan my uh, like I just don't I'm different I'm different <laughs> I'm different <laughs> I'm not like the other girls that's my favorite mm -hmm. subreddit um <laughs> it's really good which who in your family so like my grandma was my dad's mom was full-blooded German. So like who in your family or is everyone fully my dad's American? Mom. Your dad's my mom? Dad's, my dad's yeah, my grandma, my dad's mom was like hundred percent Irish. Did did they get married because of the war? No. Oh, okay. No. My grandpa was like, apparently my grandpa was like kind of a troublemaker. Like he was a bad boy. My grandma was apparently. So like the story is it was totally the stereotypical, like as my grandma would tell the story, like my grandpa walked in the room. She was fully German, didn't speak a word of English. And like my grandpa walked in the room in his like, freshly pressed army uniform and it was basically like hey do you want to come back to america sure and that's just how it happened because she was just like wow look at this soldier and then they went to goose creek south carolina which is <laughs> it's not the best uh <laughs> it's not the worst it's not the best 
but she apparently she my favorite story of hers is that she put ink in the cat like you know catholic churches right when you walk in the door they have the holy water that you're supposed to do mm-hmm. yourself she put ink in that water and so the nuns and everyone got ink all over there oh habits, my gosh which i thought was pretty awesome that is awesome how did she even think of that genius genius i got those genes straight up straight <laughs> up so how did we even how did we cross paths originally i think they're dopey yeah that must have been it i think i heard you i think i heard you on dopey and then i started listening to church and other drugs and then i think we just like started following each other on instagram and then we're both in dopey nation so and and thus is how internet friendships are born these days yes you're right though it's it's interesting that you said that earlier because i think about people that i've interacted with on the internet and i but i've never like heard their voice or anything so it's weird when you meet them in person because you don't know what they're gonna sound like but like you it's like i know what you're gonna sound like okay yeah yeah it's weird it's super Mm -hmm. weird right it's a leg up i'm telling you so i wanted you you seem to lead an interesting life what with being a thespian and all uh so i just wanted to hear your story uh or or however much of it you want to tell should i talk about like let's start let's start let's start with the beginning i guess so i want to hit on any like at some point current spirituality and if that plays a role in anything, and if you had that influence growing up and whether or not that changed. And then, of course, the good, juicy drinking and drugging. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, all right. So, so my life is a, is a little bit interesting in the way that I like started out just because I'm from, I'm a military brat and uh, what, what branch my dad was in the air force mine too really yeah he was major pain that's my last name so he was literally <laughs> major pain in the air force that's yep. awesome i wonder yep. if they know each other i don't know where was he at oh he's been all over yeah i'll, have to, I'll just have to ask him yeah Le- lieutenant um, colonel pain my dad was lieutenant finished. colonel too they I they may they other. may have known he, i'm gonna ask him Okay, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> that's random. So I um so I was born actually in South Korea and um immediately like 4 months after I was born my parents moved to Arizona and then we moved to Germany and I lived in Germany for 3 years and um then we moved to North Carolina and we lived there for a while. But then we moved to Illinois and we pretty much settled there. Um, I would say like, so I was raised in the Catholic church because my dad was brought up Roman Catholic and, um, my dad's like always been a really like religious man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, I guess my mom, I think my mom was like, 
what's the one with the L? Lutheran? Yes, my mom was yep. Lutheran. So we went to church every week. Um, but for me as a kid, and like, honestly, what's really stuck out to me it, with my spirituality today and like going to like going through treatment and like uh, learning in general, it's, I remember more and more, like, I have like recalls of like being a child and like learning certain habits, like learning how to think a certain way or training my brain to process situations a certain way, because that's what helped me in the moment at the time. Mm-hmm. And that total recall has been, that total recall has been really bizarre, but it's also like helped me remember, like, like as a child, I was brought up like religiously, but I was really spiritual, like outside of that. Like I was really connected to nature and I don't know, like, I just have like these really vivid memories of this one time, like this, like one time, like this butterfly, like this huge butterfly, like landed on my hand and just sat there. And like, I just have these weird memories of stuff like that and things that have just kind of like made me bring me back to that feeling of like really being alive and like really being connected to the universe as opposed to like, Oh, I forgot that I'm capable of feeling this way because like you get so covered up with like all the anxiety and like bullshit and like the, like my brain lying to me and telling me one thing. And when I strip all that away, you know, everything is so simple. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a, I talked to this rabbi and he was basically talking, he made the illustration, which to this day, I was like, that is so accurate that it's like, we start out in this world, like a clean length of rope. And as you go through life, you're dragging it along and it's just getting caked and caked and caked and caked with all this mud and bullshit. And then he was saying, this was like the Jewish idea of hell, quote unquote, was that, it's the process of taking that rope that is caked with all this mud and stringing it through, like threading it through a small metal circle. And so it pulls off all the mud, but the rope comes out clean on the other side. And like that process of scraping and pulling is going to be super painful. But on the other side, you've got this clean rope again. And I was like, that's fucking rad. That is so cool. I love yeah. that. Cause it does that was seem- a rabbi. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cause I'd always wondered, I was like, what do y'all, you know, I was picking his brain hardcore, but it does seem like as kids, a, like, I remember I read a Jeremy Thatcher dragon hatcher, right? If you've ever heard of that book when I was in elementary school. And so me and my friend, after we both read that we had pet dragons that were like the size of dogs and like i swear to you i was able to see it like we were pretending they were there i remember you talking about this yeah yeah but it's like there's some kind of like magic there like and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna cop out and then look for some like scientific reason of what's going on in your brain but like no you there's it's almost like you're closer to the original source, I guess, because you're, you just got here. Yeah. Growing up sucks. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's because you haven't, 
you haven't, you don't really have any fears yet, you know? Yeah, that's true. You're not really afraid of anything. Um, yet. I mean, unfortunately, you know, that doesn't take long for like a lot of kids, but I think you're, you haven't built up those, uh, you haven't created those systems yet within your body to like protect yourself from pain. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, when I went to that trauma treatment, that was one of their whole things was that as adults, we have all these maladapted defense mechanisms that at one time served us really well. So like as a kid, like there's one example of like, if a kid at a grocery store, um, oh, I'm going to butcher this analogy, but it's like a kid at a grocery store, th like throws the milk down. Mom's come, mom comes running or whatever. Um, because I totally butchered this metaphor. God, I screwed it up. It was like, um, because the kid was afraid of detachment. And so he realized that throwing the milk down would get his mom to come back and he yeah. had that feeling of security. And so as an adult, you metaphorically throw the milk down all the time because you're still, you remember that defense mechanism as a kid. And unfortunately, like over time, like as an adult, that shit doesn't work out very well. And so becoming aware of all your childhood you know, security blankets uh, really help you figure out why you behave a certain way as an adult. And it's called like parts therapy, where it's, you're not just an angry, you know, some people say like, I'm an angry person. And it's like a part of you is angry. And it's like, you can yeah. imagine like a rotating wheel of emotions or personalities. And it's like, you're going to switch throughout the day. And so it's, it's not, identifying that I'm an angry person. It's like, there is a part of me that is angry right now. And just accepting that part. That's kind of it. I think. Anyways. No, I like that. That actually, that makes me think of, I was in a meeting the other day and I was thinking about how like so many people you'll hear in AA say like, Oh, you know, like I didn't, I did a lot of, I didn't grow up till I was an AA. Like I didn't grow up till I was an adult. And for me, I think I've always like in the back of my mind, like had this kind of like pretentious thought of like, well, I know how to like pay my bills and like do all this shit. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a fucking idiot. Like, which is like really pretentious of me to think because then the other day I was in, in this meeting and I realized I was like, no, it's because now things happen. And instead of me just freaking out or like, trying to like trying to fix a situation like I look at it differently and I look at it from all sides and I'm like how can I best serve what's happening right now even if it's not even though even if like right now like this person's like hurting my feelings or like this like how can I communicate because that's what I realized is like language is such an important tool that we like take for granted yeah and it's like I'm like lately I've been like and I try to say to people too I'm like I don't know if what I'm saying is translating the way that I want it to. So like, can you tell me what you are receiving from me right now? So I can make sure that what I'm throwing down is coming out correctly because yeah. I think we, it's easy to just assume that 
people know what we're thinking when we're talking, you know, like I'll say one thing and I'm like, of course they know what I'm talking about, but like, it's a long shot. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's, it, it, that even complicates it more because so much of our communication is done digitally now too, which Mm -hmm. is a completely different thing. And yeah, that could, that could dovetail a while. So spiritual, spiritual kid catching butterflies. Yes. So then I, uh, sorry, I get off on tangents. No, I feel like that's how it's going to go. And that's totally fine. It's going to go where it's going to go. So, uh, so I'm like a pretty typical, like dad went to war family, like came back, was totally different, had an affair with like a young woman, like basically like decided, like left my mom. She went totally crazy. I hope she doesn't listen to this. After. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. She went kind of crazy. And did he go to Desert like, Storm? Yeah. yeah. And then he did like two tours in Afghanistan and one tour in Baghdad. I don't remember, honestly. But he was. Th- so when I was in middle school, my dad was shot down by a surface to air missile over Baghdad. And we like learned about it over the news like we like oh saw it. shit we like saw it on the news and then somebody like called or somebody must have called and said something to my mom so like all the neighbors and like i grew up in like white suburbia like yeah like the neighbors who like talk shit about everybody like if you like dude oh my god like to the max and but all the neighbors are coming over and like bringing you know things and it was like the one time in my life that my mom like was going to let me miss school because we were never allowed to miss school. But I just like, couldn't handle being around that, you know? And I've always been like, I've always been like that. And this, I actually, I've never really talked about this before, but like, I always had a problem with my mom, like milking the whole like military thing. And then like the war hero thing, because what ended up happening is nobody knew what happened to him, but he flew this plane outside the city with like one of the engines missing, like successfully ejected out of the plane. And all he hurt, all he did was bruise the top of his feet. People like break their legs ejecting out of planes and stuff. Yeah. So he bruised the top of his feet, landed in this cornfield, got picked up by the Green Berets or whatever they're called. I can't remember. I just totally butchered that. That's not what they're called. But, uh, green Berets are called Green Berets. Uh, I don't remember what they're called but they picked him up and he was fine. And then like, it was this huge thing, you know, like we had all the newspapers coming to our house to interview him. And like, it's one of those things that like in hindsight, it was like a huge turning point in our lives, you know, like everything kind of changed after that. And my dad, I, you know, I'm sure my, I don't know what he possibly has gone, could have possibly gone through, you know, in his life with all of that. The most that I've ever heard of, like, from him talk about anything that has to do with the military has been, like, when we're both drinking. Mm. And, like, so in general, like, my family has, they're, like, they're just big drinkers. Like, both my parents, like, everybody, like, anytime there's holidays, like, 
everybody's everybody's always drinking um in hindsight my mom definitely had a drinking problem like when all this was going down um and I actually because I was swimming competitively when I was that age what what age are you so this happened when I was 13 but I started swimming when I was like eight so I was competitively swimming for a long time and it was really it was like really hardcore but uh I, I guess that's like the first time I like had, and this is interesting too. something that I've thought about a lot is like, I don't think I became like aware of my physical being until I was in middle school. And I think about that a lot for like kids nowadays, like with social media and stuff. I'm like, I never like thought about my physical body or how it it was presented to people really until I I think till I was Like like, like a little po- older than most people positive negative otherwise like just you just weren't really aware that body and attraction sort of thing was a thing well I think like as a I think as a woman like and especially as a woman who's like who has this thing um if you want to call it alcoholism addiction whatever you want to call it like I I basically like developed an eating disorder Mm. and from that came this obsession with my with my physical appearance gotcha to like and I think so many women experience that that that's why I say like I don't know like there was I remember there being a time in my life when I didn't think about what I looked like and then I remember it become like consuming me yeah and I remember thinking because I I became like I became like anorexic ish. Like I still ate cause I swam so much, but I basically looked, I weighed like 68 pounds at one point and they made me quit swimming. But I remember like in that process thinking to myself, am I going to be like this forever? Like, am yeah. I always going to think like this about myself? The, the male equivalent was when I got to middle school and we had gym class for the first time and I went to the locker room and, I was wearing tidy whities and everyone else had boxer shorts and they had like armpit hair. And it was like, that was my first moment of feeling different and like, Oh shit. I am like, one of these is not like the other. And Oh my God. I remember going home and like, just be like, mom, you got to give me some boxer shorts. Like, cause I'm the only one who doesn't have them. And that was like the first time I experienced people, uh getting bullied and I, I what the funny thing is I never got bullied but I watched it I watched it happen to this <laughs> this one kid Joe and because and he was getting bullied because he still played with toys and I still played with toys and I had to keep that shit a secret because I saw what happened and like that really that's when I just kind of realized that that was the moment I was like oh my god there are consequences for the things that I like and you need to keep that shit secret. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That's so funny that you say that because I was made fun of in middle school for not having Victoria's secret underwear. Middle schoolers are fucking ruthless, man, dude. And like in hindsight, I'm like, 
who were these who parents cares? buying their kids Victoria's Secret? On yeah. <laughs> oh, you re- yeah. In hindsight, you realize how many of our friends' parents were sick, dude. Sick. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So okay, so yeah. So that happens. I this issue kind of got addressed. So I started like eating again and I put on weight and for the longest time, like I really wanted to quit swimming and my mom wouldn't let me do it. My mom was really strict. She was crazy. (laughs) I love her to (laughs) death. She's improved. She's like improved a lot as a human and she's worked on herself a lot. And like, she knows, she knows, but anyway, um, I, started taking singing lessons when I was in high school and then I auditioned for the school musical because I was so I was a really good swimmer and I missed my state cup my freshman year by less than a second and this was after this was after I had just been forced to quit swimming for like three months because they were like she's unhealthy like we don't feel safe having her here and so like my life in my in my selfishness and in that moment, I felt like I deserved that so much. Like I felt like I worked so hard. Like I just deserved that one thing, you know, mm-hmm. but then because I didn't go to state that year, I had time to audition for the school musical, which was Peter Pan. And I, mm-hmm. here I was, I was five feet tall. I weighed like 90 pounds. I had already, I cut all my hair off when I was in like eighth grade people thought I was a little boy everywhere I went but <laughs> I, so anyway I got cast as Peter Pan oh the there you musical. go yeah because um it was a musical Peter Pan's always played by a girl in the musical usually but you know yeah. what none of that stuff really matters anymore today anyway but uh um it really changed my life like being around theater people like for the first time in my life like there's two times in my life that I've that my entire world and outlook has changed because of the group of people that I met. And the first time was when I started doing theater. And the second time was when I went to treatment and I met other addicts and alcoholics. That's so funny. I mean, yeah. Finding your tribe is like, uh, there's nothing like it. It's just fine. Especially if you've already like identified yourself as kind of, uh, untribable like mm-hmm. you know like or the outcast or like I sort of fit in with everyone but I I was never one that was going to pigeonhole myself I guess I, I don't know it's like I had aspirations I guess like everyone of being with the popular crowd but I was into things that were only allowed to be done with like the drama kids and the nerds and the comic book geeks right and so i started spreading myself out and pretty much my tribe became the people like me who kind of flitted around the different groups right we all kind of banded together and formed our own little thing the drama kids at my school were too weird even for me i'll just say it all right they were i remember dude so i remember (laughs) Speaking of things that wouldn't fly today, I remember <laughs> Derek. Oh, well, yeah, he doesn't listen. But my friend, two of my friends straight up put on blackface as a prank and walked around the high school for the day. 
and oh nobody my God. Said yeah man this was in like 2004 <laughs> Oh my God. Straight up actual. Okay. Well, you will, you will love this. So I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but whatever it happened when we were in high school, we put on a show. It's this like old movie. It's this old play called the tea house of the August moon. Okay. And the entire cast is supposed to be Asian, but no no one in our, no one in our, like our school was so white and like, so it was basically a bunch of white kids with like <laughs> makeup on to try and make us look Asian. Like I thought, I think I look back on that and I'm like, oh my God. No. Did y'all yeah. put on like eye makeup and stuff? Yes, dude. No. Thank God they're seeing it's like, thank <laughs> God video technology was not what it is today. Jeez. Dude. I mean, we didn't know any better back then. Well, and apparently, like, the parents in the school didn't either. You know, everyone's like, yeah, this is totally fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> this is totally acceptable. Oh so so you, found your, you found your tribe. Yes, so I found my tribe. So I, that was probably my first act of rebellion, like, real rebellion against my mom was, like, quitting swim team. And I got in a lot of trouble for that. My, man, like, so me and my mom's relationship in high school um I never drank or did drugs in high school because I was on such a short leash like I wasn't allowed to go out during the week I had a really early curfew if I did go out like she was and like even then like my mom was a really heavy drinker at the time and every time I would come home like she was mad my in, in hindsight I can see like my mom was upset because I was weird I wasn't like the kind of child that she wanted I wasn't like this picture perfect child and I was her oldest so I was the first one going through it you know and she she just it was really hard for her so there was just a lot of nights where like she would just like yell at me about for like hours for no fucking reason and it would it used to get me so upset when I was younger but I got to a certain point because it was happening so it began happening so frequently that I got to a point where I realized I was like I'm not a bad kid like I'm not doing anything wrong like my grades aren't perfect but like I get good grades like I'm not going to let this up. I am not going to let this upset me anymore. I'm not going to cry and give her the satisfaction of knowing of like knowing that she affected me like that. And so, and so like, I'll never forget the first time I did that. She was yelling at me. And like the whole time I just was looking at her like, Oh, this fucking bitch. And I, that's how I became, that's how that mind trick was created was like i'm not gonna cry i'm just gonna think about how much i fucking hate you (laughs) yeah it's so much uh, easier to be angry it is and uh she got mad and she smacked me and pushed me up against the wall and she's like what you're not gonna cry you're not gonna cry and she would i mean like in hindsight like she was just so sick like she was on a different level of sickness yeah that i've never experienced yeah where and so was hmm? dad out of the picture yeah my dad like pretty much disappeared for a while okay and so and so i i guess like 
so the i just from hearing this the it's so funny how there is usually a such a perfect kindling for the storm that's about to come it's like you know you're you we usually get primed and ready for an addiction or like a substance abuse problem when it's like like everything i'm hearing is just like oh yeah yeah these are all very (laughs) these are all problems that alcohol and drugs are gonna make a lot better at first Mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah and especially because and this is something that i learned really early on in sobriety was that I never really learned how to communicate with people and be myself with around people unless I was drinking. Cause I never did it. I just never, I avoided it completely. I, some of my friends, I was able to be myself around, but for the most part, I was always kind of like putting on these, I was trying to be like somebody else or, mm-hmm. you know, that person's funny. And I like how they, how they do this. And I like how they say that, or I like how, this person in this movie uh lifts their eyebrow a certain way and you start taking all these little things and like creating this character and you're acting yes (laughs) and uh when I went to college it was really interesting and oh and for the record at this time in my life I was going to the school and like telling them because we had a school therapist and like I was not doing well you know like I would break down in tears and like I told the therapist like what was going on and her response to me was like well just think about how you'll be graduating in a couple of years and then you won't have to deal with it anymore and I was like so fucking damn <laughs> so uh I don't know but I I don't know high, honestly high school was rough for me but I also feel like I learned a lot <laughs> about myself um, and other people. But honestly, it was probably the hardest time of my entire life. Mm. Yeah. It's funny because like, even like I'll go through things now and I always think like, well, at least it's never, it's not as bad as that was. Like the pain is just, has never reached that caliber. Wow. Yeah. She just, I don't know, man. Like she just really did it to me, but, um, we, uh, was sorry. I'm having all these thoughts now. Oh, you're good. (laughs) Um, I guess. And like, it's hard for me to talk about this sometimes because sometimes I'm afraid that I'm going to get too caught up in the details of it which really shouldn't be that important. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. Like, obviously there's, I don't know. I don't, I, anyway, I went to college and for the first time I wasn't living at home and I didn't realize how much anxiety and like fear I was living in until I wasn't there anymore. And it was like this huge cloud was lifted off of me. And I, uh, physically changed completely yeah like I'm and I even ran into people that I went to high school with like a year or two after I graduated and people would didn't recognize me because I think I just 
I had been carrying around like so much before. But oh. then I went to college and I started drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was great. I loved it. You know, I had a lot of fun too. I had a really good time. I did a lot of really dumb shit. I really could have hurt myself or gotten in. I was, I've been in some bad situations. Um, but in, in college, I was pretty, I was pretty capable of like only drinking like on the weekends for the most part, especially if I had like a show or something going on. And if I was ever performing like that took precedent over anything else for me at the time. So I was were able you, were to- Were you in school for acting? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and that's what I'm, so I studied abroad in Moscow, in Russia. And so- For acting in Russia? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's like the top act, like one of the top actors did in they, the world. Did they also train you to be an assassin at the same time? That's pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's yeah, how that goes. Yeah, but I can't goes. talk about, I can't talk I know. about I got you, I got you. Okay, you can, you can cut that part out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did, I, I think like in Russia is where I really fell in love with drinking vodka, honestly. It's so cheap there. <laughs> that checks out. And it was the first time that I, remember drinking and waking up in the morning and having blacked out mm. to the point of like not remembering and then having like telling myself like oh I'm only gonna drink till to here on the bottle but then waking up and like the whole thing would be gone yeah yeah starting to, yeah those those early moments when we say to ourselves oh this might be becoming a thing like that's that's not good that we quickly brush aside Yes. Um, I don't know. I guess like I smoked a ton of weed in college, but I really didn't do there was I so I dated one guy who we did do acid frequently and I like loved hallucinogens. Mm hmm. Yeah, but there's, lot, there's we, lots to love. Yeah, we did. Uh, that was the first the first time I did coke was in college and I loved it. And my boyfriend at the time was like, this stuff is bad. We shouldn't do it. And so it kind of became like this thing for us where like I would like, do coke and try to hide it from him. And he would, yeah. he'd be like, I'm not stupid. Yeah, it's so, top 10 things you can do that are unhideable. <laughs> like you're fucking. Yeah. So I don't, sorry, I'm trying to move this along. So I'm not taking forever. Uh, oh, good. So then I moved to Chicago and... I had all these high hopes for like getting an agent and like, I think I thought that things would just kind of happen for me. And obviously, you know, work has to go in behind that. But I, I started working in bars and restaurants downtown and I just really fell into that lifestyle really quickly. And I would work till like four in the morning, get off work, go out and party with my coworkers, you know, go home, go to sleep, get up, do the same thing over again. And I was spending all my money like on drinking and drugs. Um, but at the time it was like, it was manageable, you know, like I wasn't, I didn't feel like shit all the time. Really. I was still having fun. And, uh, 
but I did get to a point like two years into my first, like first moving into Chicago where I like one day I remember waking up and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I need to get my shit together. You know, like I haven't auditioned for anything like over a year. And so I attempted to get my life in order and I did pretty well. And I got an agent and I got a manager and, um, it's just beautiful. Like how, when you start doing the right things, like the right things start happening to you, you know? Um, and, uh, that's such a hard, that's an, that's such a hard lesson to learn for some reason. Like, yeah, historically I can look back and that's a hundred percent true a hundred percent of the time, but there's always that initial period where there's not any payoff and it's just like, Oh, or I, like, I know I fall for the, the, the attitude of like kind of expecting my cookie when I've been doing the right thing. And that always isn't the case either. Sometimes you have to, you have to go through a lot of thankless grind of doing the right thing. Um, and you may, yeah, it may be years before you see some kind of payoff for you may never see some kind of payoff for it, but the opposite is also definitely true. And if you're doing the wrong thing, like horrible shit starts happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, for a long time, I got away with a lot of bullshit because I was like young and cute and charming and for sure. I started like acting out in ways like in hindsight, I can see how like my behavior was escalating slowly over time. Like I've always been a really aggressive, loud. I've always been a really aggressive, loud drunk. And I would sometimes get angry, but then I started getting angry more of the times than not. And, you know, I, I guess speeded up here a couple of years. I um, was living with a couple people who did a lot of cocaine and I was working in a place where I um, worked with Latin Kings. And so I would hang out with these Latin Kings and do Coke. And like, I thought I was so bad, <laughs> but really I was just like, <laughs> I don't know. I was, um, I, uh, and then I decided that I wanted to start boxing for some reason. I don't know. It just like came to me one day. It was something I kind of always thought about doing. And then one day I was like, I'm really going to do it. And so I started boxing and that really, I stopped hanging out with my roommates and doing drugs as much because I was getting up really early in the morning and going to do that. So I couldn't be up all night. And, but I would still go out on the weekends and party and eventually I got hired at this gym and worked to work at this gym. And, you know, my life has always kind of been this thing of up and down where like, I'll be doing really, really well. And then one little thing I'll will upset me or I'll feel like I'm not doing well enough. And so I'll say, fuck it all. And it'll just all go to shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I was in a relationship. It wasn't going well for me. Um, we were together for a couple of years um, I think before that my drinking was bad, but the jobs that I was, I just, I don't know, like I was just able to keep it together. 
I don't know. Like that was it. I just was able to keep it together. Um, I stopped completely at one point and I booked my first feature film. Like I'm telling you, like every time that I've stopped, like good things start happening in my life. And so I booked my first feature film. I uh, filmed that in Chicago. I had like all these high hopes that it was going to open all these doors for me and I wouldn't have to work these shitty jobs anymore, you know, and like all my dreams were going to come true. And it was one of those things where to myself, I was telling myself that I wasn't thinking that, but in my heart, I was really hoping that that's what was going to happen. Oh, for sure. And it didn't. And the movie is, uh, it's actually pretty good. And if anybody wants to watch it, it's called Captive State. <laughs> it's on uh, <laughs> shout out. Yes, it's on Showtime and iTunes. Um, I don't know if you can get it on Amazon, but it's like a sci-fi. Um, Who are you in it? I'm like, so it's a set. The plot's like 25 years post alien invasion. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, keep going. But yeah, oh. I know that. I know the movie you're talking about. I'm part of it. this. You haven't? Mm-mm. I'm gonna though. You're gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm part of this group of like six like rebels who are like part of this secret underground organization, like on a mission to overthrow the power source in the middle city. And I'm like the driver. And I shave my head. It's pretty Hell cool. yeah. So I that came out. It didn't really do anything for me you know and after that my drinking got really really bad and yeah that's got to be a rough fall from the clouds to like because I totally relate to the feeling of elation and hope and finally I'm gonna get everything I deserve and then just a straight plummet down when in reality there was no plummet down except in my head right yeah. it's like you could have just taken it on the chin and just kept grinding it out but it's like we it's it's almost why like huge successes for me can kind of be dangerous because like my expectations I've had it's to never really enough. it's never enough yes <laughs> dude it's never enough there's never there is never enough and I think countless famous actor musician suicides and overdose deaths have proven it that there just isn't enough like that that is not where no. contentment is located well no and it's like you know to show you like how insane I was like at one point I was talking to a friend and complaining about and at the time so uh, whatever I'll just say because I'll forget my I was complaining to a friend about how I felt like I was such a failure as a performer and he just like he stopped and he was like Caitlin you just had a movie come out in movie theaters last year like what are you talking about yeah like he goes I'm serious like what are like think about what you're saying right now to me yeah like one of my friends who's an actor and I I was like wow I'm a fucking douchebag like <laughs> I'm an asshole yeah <laughs> yes and uh <laughs> but I I started drinking daily at some point and then I started drinking 24 7 at some point you know like I don't remember when like it was years ago it was years ago that I started drinking every day and then at some point 
I just started drinking from morning till night and then it just became a habit. And it was like, I didn't realize how quickly time was going by while it was happening. And I was, I was doing a play at the time too, like right before, uh, I, a couple months before I ended up going to treatment, but like I was in this play and like, like I was working, like I was working at the gym. I would get up at four 30 in the morning. I would drink my vodka in the shower and I would drive to the gym and I would open the gym and I'd be like, like five in the morning wasted. But nobody knew, like, I don't know. Like I just like got away with it for a, for a while. And then I I don't know until I didn't anymore, but you know, I did this play and like, I, it was horrible because, you know, here's all these people that are like working so hard on this thing. And like in between scenes, I'm like literally running into the dressing room, making sure no one's looking and like drinking vodka. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. And I had never really let it. And like, like, don't get me wrong. Like I know that I don't have the most outlandish, crazy story, but for me, I never had, I never wanted to have to ask my parents for help with anything because I've always had, I always had that like chip on my shoulder, especially about it, you know? And I never, I never wanted to let it interfere with my acting. And I totally let it do that. And that's, and then quickly after that, like things just got worse and worse. I lost my job. I had to sell my car. And then I, uh, I, I just, I tried to go to IOP, which didn't work. And I, my boss like re- rehired me again because I w- was going to IOP. And then I relapsed and like passed out and like refused to leave the gym. And they like called the cops on me. And oh. um, I actually was actually like one of the ter- biggest turning points for me though, was I was seeing a counselor at the time because I felt like, from my perspective, if someone could just help me fix my depression, then I wouldn't have to drink so much. Yeah. And so I was seeing yep. this counselor and she told me that I couldn't drink before the sessions or she wouldn't do them. So I would, how dare she, I would schedule them as early as possible in the morning and I would show up and I would be like shaking and sweating. And basically she was just, I was paying this woman to like, tell me to go to AA but she yeah. kept trying to get me to go to rehab. And I was like, I don't need to go to rehab. Like I've never been arrested. I've never had a DWI. Like I've never, you know, I'm not like those people type deal. And then one day she said to me, she's like, so let me ask you a question then. What is rock bottom going to look like for you? Like what mm-hmm. is going to happen? What's going to happen in order for you, for that to be able to have, for you to be able to get help and like go to treatment. And that real like I'm getting chills even just saying it out loud because it just really you never know why those things land with you when they do you know but it did and it hit me really hard because I realized I was like oh shit like here I am driving around Chicago drunk every day like I'm just waiting for something awful to happen so that I can finally ask for the help that I that I probably need and uh that's kind of when everything, well, that's kind of when I, everything started to like fall into place for me as far as getting help. Cause then I finally told my parents 
And I moved out of Chicago because I didn't have a job and I didn't have money. And I was in a lot of debt at this point because I hadn't been working for a while. And I was just drinking and racking up credit card debt. And, um, you know, living the life. I mean, my plan was to max out my credit card and then I would just kill myself. Yes. Like, that was like God, that was I had my the same plan. plan. I, my 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 grand scheme was just to take out. Uh, in my head, I thought that you could just, I didn't know how anything, I'm such an idiot. I don't know how anything worked, but I thought you could just take out like a $60,000 student loan. I thought someone would just give me like 60 grand and I was just going to do that and then just die. And that was my plan. Yeah. yeah. See, Turns out you can't do that. <laughs> well, and I was yeah. so, so like, I mean, I really, I really was going to do this. Mm -hmm. And there was this like, Dude, that's why I'm telling you, like the weirdest things happen in your life when you when you look for them, like these things happen. So I was in my cousin was gone. She was filming The Bachelor. My cousin was in the season of The Bachelor and we we're sharing an apartment together. And I like drew this bath and I like put on what I wanted to die. <laughs> and I like get in the tub and this guy who was interested in me, like happened to reach out to me. He was texting me or something. And we were like going to go on a date, I think. And I, you know, instead I decided to kill myself. So uh, I like, <laughs> <laughs> so well, why can't you make it tonight? I'm just going to kill myself. What? So Nothing. I, I got to shampoo my hair, but I'm fucking wasted, obviously. And so I'm in this bathtub. I'm like, I've already been like, I have this knife and I've already been like pressing it against my arms. And I'm like, you know, but then I call this guy. And it turns out that he's in school to be like a therapist or something. No and he, way. He literally sat on the phone and listened to me and talked to me out of it and like calmed me down. And so this, like, I still need to go and thank this guy eventually. He's in Chicago, but like, yeah, you really he's should. He's just like this poor random guy that like wanted to go. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, <laughs> stuff like that is the. I I attribute that to the divine and the spiritual. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, because so. it's just, it's just, it's too. Coincidence it's, is just such a bullshit word. Sometimes, like, it's it's like no, what are the chances, bro? Like, what are the chances? I, I feel like it's pretentious of me to assume that things are coincidence. You know, like who am I? Who am I to know? Right. To say that. But uh, so that happened. Um, basically, I ended up going home. My mom picked me out because I could stop drinking there. And then finally, my dad brought me to Texas and decided and helped me get into treatment. Um, and, you know, me and my dad didn't really have a very close relationship, but like he saved me straight up and like I was gonna be I mean and he told me he's like look like you can either go to treatment or you can be homeless right now it's up to you <laughs> like okay yeah tough, uh, tough call but uh where'd you go to treatment I went to La Hacienda hey is that the get down stay sober no thank yes you. yeah <laughs> have you been there no uh dirty Mike went there though oh he did yeah and my oh buddy my God, Brent. that's awesome yep, yep. 
didn't they didn't y'all like go to the river and stuff or something i didn't go to the river okay. um I just, that's all i remember them telling me about it some people go to the river to go fishing and stuff and then they do like a um commu- they'll like baptize people oh nice uh, yeah they'll do that there uh but yeah, I honestly, I had a really enjoyable experience there. I felt really bad because like my family's like, oh, you know, we're so proud of you. Like, this must be so hard for you. And I'm like, dude, like I'm not working. People, are making, me, people are making me food. I don't have any response. <laughs> I know. That's like the people that bitch and moan about being in treatment. I'm like, you're looking at this the like really wrong way. Yeah. Like, you don't have any like calm down just like just chill out dude you're good <laughs> granted there's some shitty rehabs out there but if you go to a halfway decent one like you're just you're fine it's a life experience yes yeah. it certainly is so what it, what was it was that it was it a one and done thing and you've been sober since then well that was the last one i drank um but i took mushrooms this past year okay so i went to treat so i went to treatment january to 2020 and then uh got out immediately went into sober living for a couple months and like this is all because of my parents man like i did not have you know anything to fund this fun adventure right so this has been um, a lovely gift of my dad's and my mom's. Um, but I don't know. It's like, it's funny because I first got out of treatment and like I've had personally, I've had a struggle with like finding good sponsorship. Um, and I, and I say that fully aware of the fact that like, I know that sometimes it's me like sometimes I'm gonna be lying to myself about something or like I'm gonna be stubborn about something but like I've had people like yell at me Mm -hmm. or like tell me that I had someone tell me they want to do a fifth step until I quit smoking cigarettes I was like what yeah I was like okay well I yeah (laughs) uh Show me in the book where it says you have to quit. Like what, dude? Well, and like, it's, I don't know, like this one chick who yelled at me, I was like, well, now I'm just never going to talk to you again. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you yelling at me, (laughs) ma'am? Like (laughs) what reason do you have to be yelling at me right now? Besides your own personal issues, apparently. Yeah. So how, how has life been on the other side? I it's mean, really what is, great. what is life like today? Well, I think like, um, like immediately uh, upon getting sober, like the most amazing thing is like not being sick every day, <laughs> just not feeling like shit constantly, you know, um, I'm like a really physical person, you know, I like to box and run and I started biking a lot when I moved to Austin and like, I, uh, I think like before, cause I, I was working out and stuff before when I was drinking, but my body was like falling apart, you know, mm-hmm. like my skin was burning off. I couldn't make any, I couldn't build any muscle. 
And so when all those things started happening for me, it was like, like, I remember one day I was running and I like looked, I saw myself like in the reflection of a building and it like shocked me. I was like, oh my God, that's me. Oh, <laughs> that is a great feeling. That yeah, is a great feeling. It is. It is a good feeling. And it's like, I think like the, what's the, one of the most beautiful things is like, I keep discovering, like, I think like we all, I don't know if it's a human thing or like a, because of the, the society we're raising thing, but it feels like there's, there's always like a final, like there's an end to things, but this is like this, this is more like this thing of things keep becoming more interesting. And like, my brain is firing in different ways than it did before. Like, I don't know how to explain that to people. Like yeah. I'll look the way that I process situations and like experience the world is different now. And it's like my, I don't know. Sobriety is a hell of a drug, man. I, I talk about that all the time about like, you know, we, I used to think there was so much freedom in my life of doing drugs and, and whatever, and it wasn't until I got into recovery that I realized how enslaved I was and how constricting it is and how literally small my footprint on the world was like in a, in a literal sense of like, you know, I probably didn't leave a 20 mile radius like ever um, unless it was for like a, a run to Houston for some dope or something like and then now being in recovery, it's the only time in my life that I can truly say, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I'm not afraid of it. Like it's, it's, it's going to be something good that I didn't know could happen. And, you know, it's, it's such a used up metaphor, but it fits most things of just being like woken up from the matrix where it's like, you're, you're just really seeing totally. things with new eyes and it's, like a constant renewal i mean it's the it's the classic i think the truest um law of like our reality is death and rebirth right just everything is constantly dying and rebirthing um or dying and being reborn and it's painful sometimes like it you know this is my seventh year and like the past three years have been hard as hell um this is your seventh year yeah that's a lucky number jed it is a lucky number <laughs> it's a long damn time yeah mm -hmm. and there's so much change happening in my life right now that it's all very very scary but I'm, I'm, and I'm having to just like, I'm saying this to myself because I don't believe it sometimes, but I'm just like, I know that historically the good stuff is around the corner, but I just have to make it through this period of some bullshit, you know, but it'll be okay. As long as I just keep doing what I need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's interesting because I've always felt like like physical pain 
it's easier to isolate and be like in your like mentally to think like okay like you know if you hurt yourself you can almost think about it and like breathe into it and be like this is just an experience I'm having it's not that you know I don't know that's my experience with it anyway but it's hard when it's it's hard when it's in your mind and it's and it finds like tricky ways to hurt you I feel yeah Yeah. well it's it's because it like it takes away the tool that enables you like with physical pain you're using your mind yeah 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 yeah. but when it is in your mind it's yeah it's why I need to like my new therapist uh is really into meditation so I'm going to try to get her to teach me because that's something I really have never done with any regularity and it keeps getting recommended to me over and over and over again so I'm gonna try some of that see if it works you know I'll report back I have uh I highly recommend yes I think that's good you should do it if you want I can send you some of my favorite ones but I don't know if you'd want them yeah do it i'll check them out i'll I'll try anything twice you know (laughs) um well caitlin thank you for coming on and telling your story yeah definitely um i've never really done anything like this before so thank you yeah and i hope it doesn't suck (laughs) no it was fantastic great
That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're waiting for, aren't we?